Some of you may know the mottos. Some of you could sing your branch of services theme. And there are actually now six branches that at least I can think of, with the Space Force being the new one. And I was talking with some of the uh, deacons in my office before we came out. I, we meet to pray, and that's a good thing. I, I want to remind you that's a good thing to pray before you come to church. Pray that the preacher keeps you awake. Pray that the preacher has something to say. Pray that it gets over in time to go to lunch. But if you look at those six different branches being Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, and now Space Force. Doesn't that look like Star Trek? I mean, a Captain, Captain Kirk or somebody should be on there. But I think, let me see if I total them up. One, two, three, four of them. I thought it was just three. Four of them have Latin mottos. I didn't take any Latin. Took a little Greek, took a little Hebrew, took a little French. Can say hello in Korean and goodbye in Germany, German and, you know, Japanese. I can just mess up and don't touch my mustache. I think I'm doing mustache or something like that. But any of you know, like the Air Force, what is the Air Force motto? Anybody know? And it's changed. The Air Force, we, we, we're, we're like the, you know, the weather vane. Whichever way the wind's blowing is what we were going to want to say. But it, it was uh, like aim high, fight, something, and win, or something like that, right? Something close to that. Army, do you know what yours is? This we will defend. Very good. Who said that? I don't know. Somebody said that. Oh, well, was the chief warrant officer back there, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had that memorized, like 15 different, you know, leadership schools. All right. Uh, Coast Guard. Anybody know? Always what? Johnny, what was it? Always ready. Thank you, sir. I'm sorry. I'm, my hearing is gone as well as my eyesight. They couldn't see you at the beginning, and I couldn't hear you this time. So, And, and I will give you the uh, Latin because uh, he said it, but I want to mispronounce it for you. Uh, it is semper paratus, always ready. Um, the, I think the, the Space Force, I've got to make fun of him. Sorry, uh, Troy. I mean... There's this Semper Supra. It's always Toyota. Uh, it, it means always above. Semper Supra, always. So now you know if you drive a Supra, your car is above all the others. Um, the, the Navy really, as I researched this, anybody in the, uh, you spent some time in the Navy. Anybody, uh, there's a guy in the back spent a lot of time in the Navy. Do you really know what the, the Navy's motto, you get like multiple answers. Anybody? I wrote it down. Semper Fortis, always courageous. And I mean, back in the day when you came to the Navy and you got on a ship, you had to be pretty brave to get on a ship because you didn't know if it'd float. Um, but the Marine Corps is the one I want us to all take a lesson from. And I know I have a Marine up in the sound booth, and I know Steve's a Marine. Semper Fidelis, always what? Thank you. And I want you to know that the church could take a lesson from the Marine Corps. Always faithful. Last week, in the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John, we went to firsthand the love and grace that Jesus displayed for a woman caught in the darkest, most intimate of sins possible, caught in the midst of adultery. Today, I want us to stay with that text and look at two verses. 
They brought her into G, and that's our title, faithful. There's the Latin that I can't pronounce, fidelis. Faithful. They ask Jesus, after bringing her in the midst and saying what she's been accused of, what say you, basically? So, uh, if you uh, have your Bibles, look with me, please, at John, the 8th chapter, verses 4 and 5. And then he finally answers the question in verse 11. And said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to say, to stone such women. Now what do you say? And if you skip to verse 11, he asks her basically in verse 10, where are all these accusers? Where have they gone? Is anyone condemning you? She said, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Let's pray. Father, as we go back to this text, because I think there's more in it for us to take away into our lives. It's easy to be pharisaical. I've never committed that sin. I won't. I couldn't. Whatever our attitudes of superiority come from our lips to say, that's not me. Remind us that we have been unfaithful to you. We have committed undoubtedly spiritual adultery multiple times because we are to not place anything ahead of you or between you and I. God, forgive us and help us to turn from our sinful ways. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I worked on a stereo that my sister has had. I'm not sure if that's the one that we bought for you at one time or not. Brenda and I have bought her multiple stereos. Over, I think the little one we bought for you once, but uh, she has one of those from the 80s um, that were actually popular in the 70s. I can remember when I was in college, my roommate had one of these massive rack stereos. He actually had reel-to-reel. -reel. Any of you remember reel-to-reel -reel tape players? But my sister's has a turntable on it, and I know some of you, what is that, you know? <laughs> you know, you had to do that, that's all you know from is the, yeah. Um, but it has a turntable, uh, it's got like an amplifier, it's got a mixer on it where you can, you know, do the different things that most of us have no idea what they do, we just feel like we're really technically savvy when we do that. Um, it's got a double cassette player where you could actually record the incoming music. It, it has a receiver, so it gets an AM, FM uh, signal, and I think over the years she's added a uh, CD player to it. So it has all this together. Big speakers like this, and uh, we took a house twice the size in Illinois and have, you know, tried to put it into a house half the size, and so, the, so that stereo's in the garage, and we were going to just, you know, crank it up and let the good times roll, right? And this is a high-fidelity system. I can't remember the brand, but I mean, it, it's not your average, like, uh, I don't know what, you know, the good names these days maybe are the bad names, so I don't even want to say what. It's not a Bose, or it's not a Blaupunk, or one of those other fancy German name stereos, but it, it is a decent stereo known for high fidelity. But when we turned it on, or when I turned it on, nothing but snap, crackle, and pop, and it wasn't Rice Krispies. I mean, it's just... <laughs> 
you know, and, and it's just feedback and whining, and we were going to have music playing while the trick-or-treaters came as we sat in the, the garage area, and finally I think one of my sons said, Dad, turn it off, you're scaring the kids. <laughs> it seemed to have lost its fidelity, its faithfulness to the original sound it was to emulate. And that is, in part, the definition of fidelity, to be faithful to the original. My sister's stereo may be old, and, and maybe it just needed to warm up longer, and maybe it needs a repair, but it is capable of much better sound than what we listened to the other night. I know it can be faithful, and it can be made to play better. This woman, if you remember last week, I gave her the name Grace. There are some unnamed people up till chapter 8, and I've tried to give them names because when you don't give a person that you're talking about a name, it, it dehumanizes them. And I think the Pharisees probably didn't even know the woman's name. They didn't care. They didn't even care about the act that she was caught in. All they wanted to do was get something on Jesus and get him turned over to the Romans or get permission to run him out of the country or kill him if they could. But this woman that I called Grace and the man that she was involved with had failed to maintain their fidelity, their faithfulness to the one that they had entered into the covenant of marriage with. And it is so easy for us today to be like the scribes and Pharisees, the religious right of the day. Headline, you know, wake up, you are the religious right of today. They stood with fingers pointing to her unfaithful, adulterer, Let's get out the stones and stone her. The static of the crowd had to be tuned out by Jesus. And if you find that he finally, when he does speak to her, it's like noise-canceling headsets. Everyone had left. It was quiet. And there he says to her, the sweetness of grace love, and mercy. Now, why am I coming back to this text? Because last week, Dan, Pierce, and I attended the Right Now Media Conference. This is, I think, the fifth time I've gone in my years being here. They canceled a, one year for COVID, and I think the first couple of years I didn't even know about it. Um, but there we uh, listened to some phenomenal sermons, you know, um, those guys with mega churches, you know, they can't preach. That's obviously why they're in those positions. You're not listening to me yet. There were some, there were some great messages. It really were. You ask, you ask them, and I'm sure, uh, given right now media enough time, they'll have some of those uh, on video for you to watch. But their messages were each different, but they were timely. In fact, the theme to the conference was hope has a name. Can you guess the name of hope? Jesus. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And first off, I should say thank you for letting us to go to that conference and supporting us to go. I really appreciate that. It's, it's always kind of like a charging up your battery to go. Um, but as I said, although they didn't have different, they had different messages, there was a theme in them. And I kept thinking, 
about what I'd preached on the prior week and how I was to preach and planning. And, and I stay about a week ahead of myself. And sometimes you say you speak faster than you think. And, you know, I know that's dangerous too. But I knew that this week I was to be talking about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. But after hearing some of those sermons and thinking about them and pondering on them, I thought how unfaithful we have been as a nation. And how it's so easy to stand in judgment like the Pharisees and say, I have never done that. Throw the first stone. But when you stand in the position of judgment against the proof text of God's word and think that you're innocent, short of the blood and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, you are in danger of seeing rocks flying your direction. I feel like at times we have been, and you remember I preached the lessons from uh, the seven churches in Revelations. It's the, the church, I think it's to the church at Ephesus in the second chapter that John writes, you have left your first love. And I think many times we as Christians are guilty of unfaithful love to God. We want to love things other than him or we choose to love others and take away the love we have for him. Consider that idea that whenever you put anything above God, you are committing spiritual adultery. Think about that. As I read James 4, 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity? That's a hard word for me to say, E-N-M-I-T-Y, which means hostility, enmity with God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I think I may have that slide on there, guys. I don't know. Yeah, it's with that whole verse. How many of you uh, watched the Astros game last night? Come on, it's okay. Raise your hand. Did they win the World Series or not? Oh, right. Some of you get excited about that. I did too, and I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan. And I found myself at times cheering for the Astros and clapping and yelling when that guy made that catch, and, you know, he's against all these kind of things are happening. And I'm like, wow. Oh, I feel like I've been unfaithful to the St. Louis Cardinals. Team adultery, yes. Fan adultery, I guess you would say. And that's a small example, and I will say to you, it is not a sin to cheer for another team, although if you lived in St. Louis and cheered for the Astros, you probably would be uh, shot or worse. Uh, Larry mentioned East St. Louis. You wouldn't want to walk in East St. Louis with an Astros jersey on. But we, when, we, when we find ourselves cheering for ideals... Let's just take politics for a matter. Let's do it. Let's just go there. And I'm going to quote one of the preachers. I don't want to say what it was. He said, I got in trouble. He said, I want you to know I got in trouble for talking about the president. And, you know, everybody's, what do you mean? He said, well, one group said, you talked too much about the president. And then another group said, you didn't talk enough about the president. And then he said, I never even said the name of the president. I never even said the president. Well, we knew it by the way you were standing. You look like that's who you were talking about. And the point he made was, if you think whoever we put 
in the White House or in the capital of this state. I know we're voting on Tuesday. Some of us have already voted early. I got my little sticker, and you know, that was more fun than some of the other stuff. In any event, if you think that vote is going to redeem you or redeem our country, you have misplaced your faith. Robert Jeffries is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas. He's been in the news multiple times. I read this quote from him on Wednesday before we went. I think it, I think it was from an interview he'd done on the Saturday before. He has developed, or at least grabbed hold as a pastor, the idea of Christian nationalism. And he wrote, or spoke, when asked about, is he a Christian nationalist, he said, if that means being anti-abortion, anti-transgender, and for a closed border, then call me a Christian nationalist. Well, I want you to know in my military experience, I think uh, we talked about this this week, because I told the Dan and Pierce, I said, I'm going to have to say something about this. I think I proved that I'm pretty patriotic. 30 years, I, I think that is, counts for something, you know. Other than some, yeah, a paycheck of the first of the month, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but if you put Christian, if you think Christian nationalism is going to save this country, you become pharisaical in your viewpoints. Amen. Be careful putting more trust and faith in politics than in Jesus. If you think Christian nationalism is successful, check the religious history of England. I don't know how many churches and cathedrals I went where they couldn't get a handful of people to attend, but yet there is a state-defined religion. Protestantism is the state religion in Denmark, Iceland, Finland, and Sweden. In all of those countries, and I don't want to degrade them, but the church is not done well. So to me, it sounds like Christian nationalism doesn't always work for God's kingdom. It may work in some ways for the political system. And before you get too mad and start throwing rocks at me because now he's talking politics, I haven't said a party, I haven't said a person. And I think it's very important to vote. I really do. But I know that my vote will not redeem me it won't redeem you. Only Jesus can do that. Consider the ways that you have been unfaithful to God, not just in politics. I talked about sports. Let's talk about sports. And I, I'll get it wrapped up here, guys. I know some of you are going to go 10 minutes over, Cliff. Well, hang with me. Have you ever lost your voice cheering for a team? Hmm. What was that? So, and it's, it's, it's a danger of setting a trap for people. You're wanting them to say this because I ask you the question, have you ever lost your voice praying for someone? Have you ever cried because your team lost? I remember my, one of my boys did after the Green Bay Packers lost. <laughs> There's probably some Packer fans. But have you ever cried for the lost. 
I imagine that World Series tickets were fairly pricey. And on years past, I've quoted you how much a, you know, uh, the Super Bowl cost tickets to go. But ask yourself, have I, have I paid more in the past year for sporting events than I've given to my local church? Have I spent more on sports memorabilia than I've given to the mission of spreading the name of Jesus in this world? I'm wondering, do, do you cheat on God? I don't cheat on my wife, but I, I cheat on God. I mean, that's mind-boggling for some. Do you spend more time reading and watching TikTok videos than you do in prayer and in Scripture time? Oh, well, those things are far more entertaining. Consider what thoughts occupy your mind when you have nothing else to think about. Because what we think about determines what we value. I am entertained by YouTube. The guys in the car know I, am, I love YouTube. Man, I've been watching this. They heard me. Man, if you take super glue and take some baking soda, it makes it like JB Weld. I mean, it's like bond stuff together. And I can go watch that, and I can watch a woodworking thing, and I can watch a car thing. And a, you know, this just rolled in. What mechanics see about crazy people, what they do. But I need to say, stop that, Cliff. Have you spent more time with God's Word today? Or have you spent more time sharing the good news of Jesus than the YouTube video you just watched? Have I been cheating God? I read <clears throat> this little article uh, that a pastor wrote. He asked the question, is your relationship with God burdensome? He said, most Christians give just enough of their time to make spending time with God miserable. He said, it's convicting, but it's also true. There are small g gods in our life that we are faithful to. And I wonder which of those gods you need to give up as you serve God the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God above all. Jesus told grace in this text, verse 11, I don't condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Stand with me, please, we pray. Father, if we have been unfaithful to you, it's not a question of if. We have been unfaithful to you in so many ways. Or this congregation, this sanctuary would not hold the fruits of sharing the good news of Jesus. We have failed to tell others what we say we believe. And at times we have failed to live what we say we believe. So forgive us, Lord, for being unfaithful. Forgive our spiritual adultery and help us to go from this place and follow you. As every veteran here knows the command, forward march. Let us all march forward with Jesus in step with our Savior. As we come to a time of invitation, I pray that 
If there's someone here who's been out of step, someone here who's been carrying the burden of life that they feel like they're going to make it into heaven on their own efforts, they won't. They can't. Only through faith in Jesus, a belief that he is the Savior, he is your son who came, who died, who was raised from the grave, that sin offering for you and I. Father, I pray if there's someone here who's never asked Jesus in their heart, this would be the day. This veteran's service, they'd become a spiritual veteran and go out and share the good news of Jesus with others. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. For I ask it in Jesus' name.